0: Whether you're in five S's, three P's, whatever system you have in place, that's up to you. I don't have a preferred source there, but the fact that you're doing those and approaching it as a continuous improvement journey and that automation and improvements in your processes are part of that, that's the successful recipe for a business.
1: Welcome to another episode of
2: the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. I've spoken with a variety of manufacturing automation experts over the past few years, and a common theme that they all seem to touch on is the misperception that automation is an all-or-nothing investment. Sure, this may have been true at one time, but the technology has changed and continues to change so rapidly. Today, starting small is absolutely an option. My guest today packs a variety of insights into a great conversation about treating automation as a process of continuous improvement, how to think about ROI in the context of automation, and a lot more. Let me introduce him. Scott Lindemann, CEO of Mission Design and Automation, has 30 plus years of leadership in automation and robotics. Scott filled a variety of leadership roles at JR Automation and was instrumental in helping them achieve record growth until he left in 2016 as its co-CEO. Scott then took the role of president at Baca Systems, a stone robotics fabrication equipment provider in Southeast Michigan from 2017 to 2020. Beyond his time working on the industrial automation integrator front, Scott has been active in FIRST Robotics has been a member and director for the Robotic Industries Association, RIA, and is one of a limited number of recipients of FANUC Robotics President's Circle Award. Scott has also served on the Lake Superior State University Board of Directors and as a board member and chairman of the Board for Lakeshore Advantage, a West Michigan nonprofit focused on economic development. Scott, welcome to the show. Yeah, hey, thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, Scott, last summer I moderated a panel discussion with you and your colleague, Ryan Lillibridge from Mission, along with Lou Fanazo from FANIC and Eric Nieves, and Brent Barcy from Plus One Robotics. And the topic, which was a really great conversation, was the new ROI of automation. And one of the major themes from this discussion how the ROI conversation around automation needs to be about much more than just replacing labor costs. Right. And especially during a time when labor can't even be found for many. So how can you even, you know, compare it? So I I just want to open it up to you here. Can you talk about what ROI of automation means from your perspective?
0: Yeah, thanks, Joe. We did have a rockstar panel back then and now this topic has many layers. So, you know, at first I would back up and say every business, you know, we're speaking with business owners all the time. They all have limited amounts of uh, a few things, right? And one of them being capital and or redeployed profits. And how they choose to invest that and where they want to invest their money starts with the discussion about how much and why and where will you invest your money as your company, whether it's sharing profits, whether it's reinvesting in capital equipment and automation, or whether it's buying real estate or whether it's just investing in ongoing concerns. So, the first thing you have to realize is there is a limited amount of capital in most businesses. And the first decision an owner or a manufacturing organization has to make is how much capital and where are we going to deploy it? And I think what's changed in in the basis of that is that ROIs for automation equipment or even just procurement of capital equipment in general has gotten more exact, less risky, easier to implement. Over time than it has been historically, it was always a big leap to get started, and we'll hit on that later, I'm sure. But fundamentally, the ROI calculation starts with even what are we wanting to invest in as a company and why? So automation can be done for many, many reasons. So you start with why I want to invest, what I want to invest, and then you get to the ROI of what am I trying to accomplish, right? And that's where our discussion went. Is it just replacing a person? There's a mathematical equation there. It rarely is, though, right? It's rarely that. There's quite often many more important things to consider in your organization. Uh, We talked about a lot of them, right? Uh, Whether it's a quality improvement, whether it's I can't get people and how much is that going to cost me, a lost opportunity, those kind of items. It's also a quality of life for your employees and your team and associate members in your company. And do you want them doing those dirty, dull, dangerous jobs and repetitive things all day? Or would it improve your company to have a better work environment? And then there's another issue also when your employees and outside people you're trying to recruit see that you're investing in the future of the company by buying equipment and spending money on automation. ah, They enjoy working there and other people enjoy coming to work also. It can be a recruiting tool. As you look at where you spend your capital and how you spend your money, I think it's much more than a simple equation on the return on investment on this exact item. And I think successful businesses consider all of those things and weigh them out accordingly. Uh, They don't go in a nice spreadsheet so well, but they're actually very important to your uh, investment decisions and also how and when you get going on your automation journey, how far down the path you are, and how much money you do want to invest matters, of course. But how you factor that in and the ROI equation is uh, not so simple anymore, and it shouldn't be.
2: Yeah, I think you bring up a lot of good points. And a lot of this stuff, you know, if you just stop and think about it for a minute, it's kind of common sense. Not everything you do, that is an improvement to your business is going to show up on the PL this month, or maybe even this year that, you know, there are decisions you're making for the long-term viability of, of your company. And, you know, you, you brought up a, coo- a couple of really good ones. I mean, the, you know, the idea of, of having happy people and retaining them, especially in a time when, when that's probably the biggest challenge a lot of companies are facing. And so I, I just think it's, you know, I, I also can't help draw parallels to my world as, as a guy running a marketing agency. I can't tell you how many times I watch companies pull the plug on a marketing program after six or nine months because they don't have a, you know, a four X ROI. And you know, the reality is you're investing in, your brand and your your you know in the perception of your brand and you're establishing trust and awareness in your market. So it's just um it's something that kind of hit, hits home to me because the you know it's just not everything you're gonna see right away. So
0: yeah it depends on the kind of business you're in and you should again understand the value drivers in your business and in different departments within your company even as a manufacturer. You know, you you're need an engineer that, and the engineer loves to get new computers and a faster internet service. And there's a value to that. Is there a direct ROI? Capital equipment is very tangible, and automation becomes even more tangible. So you can hopefully measure the exact impact fairly readily. But mm-hmm. the point about the ROI and having more to it is uh, some of those other factors can be even more important than the exact payback calculation. Uh, Of course, it must be there and you have to do your measurements and you have to measure your ROI and your paybacks. What we were talking about and we want to keep bringing up to business owners is there's a lot more to it and they are very intangible, but they can be very important to the future of your business for sure.
2: Scott, a common theme that I've heard from other experts in the automation world, um, Eric Nieves comes to mind actually from Plus One, who I know you know very well. Uh, when I had him on the show, you know, he kind of talked about this idea that like, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And it's almost a perception that's Uh, you know, it's just kind of a misunderstood perception here that you either have to go all in and make some $2 million investment out of the gate, or you can't do anything. And I know from from talking to you and and others that this is not often not the case. So how can you treat automation as a continuous improvement process and start to ease into it?
0: Yeah, no, you hit the nail on the head with those last few words about it being a continuous improvement process for your company. It's a journey. It never ends. Of course, it comes in chunks when you make purchasing decisions because there's going to be a payback. Okay. But along the way, it started with, again, just saying, we want to improve our company starting on initiative to talk about where can we improve? How can we improve? And through those discussions, it's actually the most valuable part of the whole thing is having your group of people together that know your processes, asking them, where can they improve? Some of it can be very simple jigs, fixtures, tools, Some can be process improvements that they can implement themselves. And then, of course, it gets into automation. So being able to start in automation is, again, about a journey. It's not a one-time thing, and it shouldn't be. It should be a continuous effort, and it should start with, again, your people. And then you need to find out, how am I going to partner? Who am I going to partner with? Again, it comes back to a little bit understanding the current value proposition your company does but also the future where you want to be as a company so you have to start out saying hey we want to improve we're going to improve set some directions and then have these conversations and then along the way you find out what are who are good partners you find out which people on your team are wired and want to continuously improve and you give those people some more leeway and pretty soon they're coming up with their own ideas some, again, can be implemented themselves, and then some you need an automation partner with of some kind. So then you reach out locally, you find some people that are doing similar things, and uh, you you find your partners and you start down this journey. It can be small dollars to get started and get comfortable, or it can be big, big equipment, big decisions, buying new equipment or going to a new building. There's all kind of scale that comes in on uh, investments in your company, But when we focus on automation, I think there is, um, it's big and it's risky. And I I heard another one of my friends in another business who did a big project and was unsuccessful and it took him a year and a half and it never worked. And there's this fear out there. So what you want to do again is get started, set the goals, have a good agenda for a long term plan and then take bite sized pieces. And then when it's right, you can take bigger chunks. It should present itself very naturally in the continuous improvement process. Whether you do it in five S's, three P's, whatever system you have in place, uh, that's up to you. I don't have a preferred source there. But the fact that you're doing those and approaching it as a continuous improvement journey, and that automation and improvements in your processes are part of that, that's the successful recipe for a business. And it can be very simple, as you said. And never ending you don't want it to be a one-time deal you want it to go on and on and on in perpetuity
2: yeah that's great um you know i I think it always helps when you can illustrate with maybe an example or two and i'd love to hear you know just from your many experiences in this world are there are there some cases you can illustrate where someone came in and maybe started small and figured out how to start that continuous improvement journey
0: Oh, yeah, we have uh, a lot of stories to tell. (laughs) So I think there's a couple different ways you can look at uh, stories. But usually when somebody gets started, as I said, it comes out where they've identified a scope or a process somewhere, and they want to start talking to some experts in there. So what happens is you get some form of an RFQ or a proposal phase, and somebody will reach out and say, hey, can you come look at this opportunity? So what happens is, a few automation smart guys go visit a customer, and then we see what's going on, and we'll define the scope that your team has come up with. And then what quite often happens is through the Q and A time that we'll spend is we'll we'll see some other places that may be more important to automate. So I'll tell a couple of stories how we go to a company, and let's just say they make footballs, right? So they're they're sewing leather, they're cutting leather, they're tanning leather, they're Doing all kinds of things, and then as you walk through their operation, they want to make one assembly line to make a s- footballs because they want to improve the, the how do you want to say it? they want to improve the uh, opportunity to be more consistent in how a football is made because they're supplying footballs to college teams, professional teams, even right. So they've got their problem definition, and it's a big a big can of worms that's going to be opened up, and we're going to dig into it. We spend a bunch of time. And we said, boy, this is gonna be really difficult. And people are really good at this actually. So maybe what we should do is look upstream and downstream on the processes instead where their automation can be simpler. It can bite off a couple smaller chunks and let the people do what they're really good at and uh, reinforce them and give them some tools so they their job can be better. But uh, that's one real example where it started out, it's gonna be a couple million dollar, really difficult automation project. And through the Q&A, you said, you know, let's look at where the people should be still used, how we can help them. And then you start out with a few just small material handling projects, a leather cutting project that's nice and simple, some packaging equipment that just helps them package and wrap the footballs better. And then in the end, when they they uh, they went back to their customers, they actually liked the handmade variation because then, uh, well, sort of Bradygate, you, but you can... Adjust and pick the footballs that fit you and those guys really do they they prefer a little variability because they want to pick and choose their own footballs and if they were actually perfect. Maybe they weren't as nice, so they learned something through their journey. And again, it was started out as an all or nothing and they had money allocated and they're ready to go, but in the meantime let's just take some uh, smarter automation lower risk and get started. And uh, it's just a good story of how automation applies in a lot of different industries. We could pick automotive and consumer goods and medical devices forever, but I wanted to use a couple examples maybe of things that aren't normal industries and how automation is being used and how that journey can get started in many ways.
2: That's great. Any other stories you'd like to tell, Scott, about this idea of continuous improvement or easing into automation? Yeah,
0: sure. I got a couple more, Joe, but one that comes to mind, and it's a story that goes across many industries, but... As an example of an injection molding company, and they have people tending the molds and adding some value, but it applies to a casting company or a CNC machining company or anybody who's got a lot of sunk capital into big process equipment, right? So you have a person there now and you, and you're doing well and you measure them and you're trying to improve. And then someone says, you know, I think we can get a robot to do this. So we, we come in, we evaluate, we, we put a robot in place. And then what happens, they start measuring the improvements and what they pick up on is the consistency. The machine continues to run all the time, every day. It it actually runs eight hours a day. It doesn't take lunch breaks. You hear all these analogies, but in reality, what happens to the business is all of a sudden he's got extra capacity on his really expensive bit of equipment because he had sold it and it was two and a half shifts worth of production, but he couldn't fill the other half. But when he automates it, all of a sudden he ends up picking up enough capacity to add some more uh, production into his machine. He picks up a new customer and he runs it on third shift now because he's got the capacity because the automation has made his equipment more consistent. So it didn't replace the person. The person's there adding the value, but the automation is letting the big capital equipment become more consistent and then allows you to pick up some additional customers without the sunk capital cost. So as a business owner, A small investment in automation to keep your expensive capital running more consistently and more contributing more every hour, frees up some time. All of a sudden you have capacity that you didn't even know was in your process. And I think that's another one of those hidden values. You get started on the automation journey. You take one little bite of it. All of a sudden you realize a bunch of extra value that you didn't know was there. And those stories go on and on across a lot of industries. And I think that's, again... The value of automation can come into play in many ways. You, the ones you expect and you measure, and then there's these unexpected benefits that can have big impact on your business.
2: I love that one. I mean, just getting more out of what you've already invested in is, you know, it's, it's not all about bringing in new stuff, right? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's going to be, let's optimize what we've got and, and get more out of it, get more capacity. That's a great example. So Scott, let's let's get your perspective on what's going on with labor in the manufacturing sector right now.
0: Yeah, for sure. So uh, we hear it every day. We just had two customers yesterday. They come in, they, they can get people and how to get the people. And again, it's about creating an environment where people want to come to work. But it's also about making the tasks that are in front of them as feasible as possible and as enjoyable as possible. They can get people. We, we used to use forty five dollars to $50,000 a person as the cost of a person. They said literally they're up to $95,000 a year right now as their cost. And they've factored in a different ROI numbers we spoke earlier because they're considering that they have lost opportunity costs in there when they don't get people. And those people don't come in every every day, but they've gotta to be tolerant of them. They have sicknesses, they have outages right now where people have to stay home for quarantine. So they've factored more things in. That's not the pure value of the person, but it's the amount of money that it takes the company to replace that person if they're not there. And that's how much money they've allocated now So it's definitely a trend where it's harder to find the people. It's definitely a trend where the cost to have people and have them be an integral part of your process, your process depends on people in different ways. And there's a cost associated with getting those people or having the wrong person or not having a person at all there, the training of the people. So the labor market's tight for uh, manufacturers, for sure, Um, how urgently and how quickly you can change. Your mindset and make your manufacturing processes less reliant on people is right now the main topic of discussion, right? It's not replacing a person here or there for money. It's about reevaluating your internal processes and how can we make our processes less dependent on having the one person who knows how to do this job be critical to our company, right? This is a it's a fragile way to run your company. So again, when you start on this journey, you look at your processes. You'll identify those as risk places and then you'll try to put some numbers to them. You'll realize really fast how critical labor is to what parts of your manufacturing process and how can you reevaluate and move that around. And uh, ideally, you want less variability counting on the people now because it's harder to get than ever.
2: That's a good take. So, Scott, for any manufacturing leaders who are listening right now thinking, you know, geez, I know I need to start this automation journey, but I'm feeling pretty intimidated. I don't know a lot about this. I'm not sure what to like where to start. What advice can you offer them?
0: Yeah, I think one of my best things is, again, just to get started. And it's it it's an easy thing to say, but it's actually easy to do also. Right. So. Reach out to some other people in your industry, reach out to some other people outside your industry, right? I, I think most of the value comes from your own industry. You can benchmark yourself and you get started and you see how other people have already done it. And you, you come and you'd say, hey, we already can do this because up the street they're doing this. And I saw it and it's nice. So you, you get started by reaching out and going and seeing some people. And then, as I just said, going outside your industry and seeing what some other people in different industries are doing and then how can that adapt to you? It, it will not be wasted time, right? It will be very valuable time spent to educate yourself and to educate these leaders that I talked about. You identify the people who do wanna improve and have the ability and the desire. Take them on a road trip, take them to another company somewhere that you know, do a walk around, ask them why they do the things they do and then how it might it apply to your business? So this is another way of questioning your own internal processes as you start the journey, in the end, something will have to change. You'll buy automation, you'll do some tools, you'll outsource some things, you'll insource some things. All of those are continuous improvements in your process, and automation is one piece of it only, right? But I think, again, to be scared of it is wrong, so get started, keep your eyes open, go find out what you can from your industry and from others, and then engage, and then uh, see where it goes. And, and I think there's a big risk of we we... We tried this before and it didn't work. So, you know, what's happening now is the technology is easier than ever. If we get caught up in automation systems and we talk about robots and vision systems and AI and machine learning and all of that's really fun buzzwords and you can read about it forever. But in reality, it's your process, it's your manufacturing people that need to make the processes work. And if you drive for some improvements, it'll show up on your bottom line sooner than most people even believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a direct thing when you start in trying to improve and study your processes, you'll drill into them and it will improve. So this is the main thing. Um, automation is a key component of that, and it can be, and it is easier than ever to get started. Um, the second piece is, uh, you know, find a partner and make it a long-term journey. We We talk about this a lot as industry leaders. It's a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey. It's not just a project. And then that what that does is get you thinking longer term and it gets you to recognize that when you pick partners and when you make commitments, there will be struggles along the way. And you don't want to just go, oh, well, we tried it once, it didn't work. Well, let's stick with it because it's part of our long-term journey. There's a hiccup in the roads here or there, and our partners are with us and our people are on board. We're gonna figure this out and it will work, right? So that commitment. It also comes with using that word about a journey and a continuous improvement process instead of just a one-time project, pass or fail. Mm -hmm. And I think those are important things to step up. So get started, make it a journey, and go figure out the right ways. And don't be afraid of the automation because the technology is getting way better every single day, right? It's just one of those things. Um, The analogies are all around us, how uh, things are easier and easier and easier to use every day. So... What was difficult two years ago is maybe automatic right now, and it just works. And that's our job to stay in touch with the technology and keep pushing it. When you're running a business, you you don't need to spend time doing that. You should count on your partners. So look around and get started.
2: Great advice. I like it. Scott, is there anything I did not ask you about that you think needs to be communicated to manufacturing leaders who are listening right now?
0: Yeah, for sure. So I think there's real value proposition in knowing your business and where your value is as a business. And as a leader of a business, going through that evaluation can be tough sometimes because you may think you're running a business that depends on people. And the more people I get, I can scale. Okay, well, that that's maybe been called into question now because you can't get endless people anymore. So what's your real value proposition and what's it going to be five years from now? What are you trying to create uh, a long-term vision to improve your business, to make more profits, to employ more people, to employ the people I have in better situations? Those are all real fundamental questions to ask as a business leader and automation and technology is a piece of that. So again, I think it's important to understand your business, where it is now, where you want it to be. And then consider the dynamics at play right now. This is an inflection point in in uh, manufacturing in the U.S., in onshoring, and all of those macro trends that are happening are very, very real. So pay attention to them and then, uh, yeah, just know what's going on. Re- the evaluation and the conversation is the valuable part of this discussion. You'll do projects. Projects will go well here or there, but in the end, it's all about improving your process and, and making your company better for you and for all of your people involved in the business.
2: Great. Scott, before we put a wrap on this, um, tell our audience a little bit about mission design and automation and where your expertise there lies.
0: Yeah, sure. Thanks too. I think, you know, any good system integrator has to have a lot of what, what I just talked about that desire and the passion to go in and study someone else's processes, help them figure out where their magic is, and then, want to improve that and be part of that so this is again as a general systems integrator which is what mission design does we're in holland michigan and now we're around 100 people and we have a nice bit of mix of experience people that have a lot of different industrial experience in different industries but again the main thing is pick a partner and get involved and mission definitely looks to partner with manufacturers and study their processes, improve them for the long term, and then do projects again and again and again. This is one of the main success stories for most integrators. It's not unique to Mission, but I want to highlight that as an important takeaway. People can do projects based on scopes and specs, but if you want a true partner and someone to actually add value and create value in your company, look hard for that as a passion at the companies you pick. And uh, at Mission, we're definitely wired about that, and uh, it's what we push hard. So...
2: Well, I can back that up. I I've gotten to know a number of members of your team and have been nothing but impressed with, you know, the level of expertise and openness to discussion and to share insights. So please take a, a moment to go check out what mission design and automation is doing in this space. They are some movers and shakers for sure. So Scott tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and uh, where they can learn more about mission.
0: Sure. I think, um, uh, you can Google search and find systems integrators everywhere. MissionDesign.com is where our website is. And uh, you can go there. You can talk to people. And again, we'll be more than happy. Have a phone conversation and uh, come out and visit you and see him face-to-face exactly what's going on and where your struggles are and where your opportunities are. And I think that's the, the start of every conversation is to get to know each other, reach out, and uh, see where the path goes. But you got to, again, get started. It's a really fundamental thing. So look up the website, give us a phone call, ask about us and uh, we'll follow up for sure. And we'll see you guys soon.
2: Perfect. Well, Scott, thanks for doing this. All right. Thanks, Joe. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing
1: Executive. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player.